Good morning, everyone. Representative Andy Story joins us this morning. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Kevin, and everyone listening today. I trust you had a good Veterans Day weekend. I did. Thank you very much. I hope you did, too. Yeah, on Friday, I was able to go over to the Centennial Hall Veterans Day, and then we also had some folks over at the Southeast Native Veterans Day ceremony, too, and... We got to go over to the uh, USS Juno event on Sunday as well. So it was a pretty pretty eventful Veterans Day weekend. I always find it very moving, so important. Uh, people who have served and are serving, and I always think of their family members too and the sacrifices they, they have to make. Hmm. Now, on another note, I trust you're eagerly awaiting for the results of your election. <laughs> Well, I I wanted to say um, I am very grateful that I will be serving again. Uh, I am just uh, so um, pleased to be, um, well, it's humbling to serve our community, and I really appreciate, appreciate people when they tell me their concerns and share what's important to them. It's just nothing's better than hearing from people because that's how we make good legislation. That's how I know what people in my district want. Of course, my district is going to be shifting a little bit, and I'll be serving more of the southeast uh, communities up north. Uh, So that is exciting, even though um, I've said to not serve some of um, the people that I have. But as I've said throughout this campaign, uh, we have always worked closely together, Senator uh, Keel and Rep Hannon, and are familiar with the issues around Southeast in our community. So excited uh, to just have the election over with. As you know, there's many seats that are not uh, known yet at this time, but as you pointed out, uh, very sure what our election results are in the Southeast, and I think it's going to be good for all of us. And and thank you for that reminder. By the way, the uh, the new district they have you in that's that's uh, for Juno specifically. We're talking about the Juno Valley, a little past the point of Riverside Street. Could could you remind us of the new boundary? Sure, it's like you're in downtown Juno, and you kind of scoop up into the valley, going to Stephen Richards, and then down uh, Riverside, and just sort of. Uh, that area is now going to be served in District 4, which is uh, Rep. Sarah Hannon. And then my district will be uh, northern Mendenhall Valley and Haynes, uh, Kwekwan, Skagway, and Gustavus. Okay. Now, on the election, I wanted your broad thoughts so far. What are you watching for? In past programs, we spoke about the makeup of the legislature. Is there any thoughts you have on that so far? Well, right now, it is unsure as to the exact makeup when you look at just uh, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. As you know, I've been part of a multipartisan coalition uh, for the four years that I've served, and I'm hoping uh, a coalition can come together like that again. Uh, I've been, you know, speaking to people about that happening. I think it's made for uh, protecting our permanent fund, 
uh, just some uh, good legislation for Southeast, uh, our ferries, which are so important. Uh, there's work we need to do on something important to all of us, our uh, school funding, uh, but also, you know, we're all looking at uh, infrastructure improvements, uh, looking to, as I said, protect the permanent fund. And I think you're aware, Kevin, that it's gone down to $7 billion. We were as high as 84, but with the stock market changes, it's so important that we protect the earning reserves of the, the earning reserve account. And uh, that's just a position that many people have, uh, whatever party that you belong to. And I think that's what we're um you know, again, looking at to make a coalition with people where that is just uh, really important. But it's really close. It's like some people are saying it's going to be the, if you just take uh, the Republicans, that they might have a one-seat majority, but it's too close, some of our races uh, now, to tell. But those those caucuses, they would they would have to start from square one anyway, since there's been so much high turnover. Wouldn't they need to be? Uh, yes, you'll be making new, um, you know, coalitions, new caucuses, as you said. Uh, and I've talked to quite a few people who are independents and uh, Democrats, and a couple of Republicans, and of course I, you know, know many of them. And it's been just really great to see how many of them uh, have young families, uh, come from, of course, all parts of the state, but really are concerned with, um, you know, the cost of living in Alaska, making it a good place for businesses and families. And obviously that's going to be true of whoever is serving. And so I'm encouraged for Alaska I think we've got good people who will be coming uh, to the legislature, and I'm excited for the 23rd, which is when we will do the ranked choice um, voting for those races that are really close. But I do think no matter what happens, I think we're going to have um, good people in place to uh, represent um, our citizens. Well, we can... From these results, we can at least dis- decipher one item from the general unofficial results, that being that there probably won't be a convention. So with that, what's your reaction? Well, you know, obviously 70% of the citizens said no, so that is, the you know, the direction. And I think that that, again, is uh, good for Southeast. I think it's good for the legal system that we have. Um, I think right now... Uh, in a time in Alaska where we are trying to get together our infrastructure, our financial picture, it's really good to not have the uncertainty of uh, um, constitutional convention. And as you know, that wouldn't have been settled till like 2026. They would have had 55 people elected as delegates. Then they would have come back to the voters for the changes they would have made to our Constitution. But I really hope we can get a fiscal plan together. And, you know, we're, right now we're developing, you know, a picture to use our uh, federal infrastructure dollars wisely. And I'm just glad we will not um, be working on, on that at this time. 
Well, Not to say some people won't be bringing forward, you know, some things where they might want to change the Constitution through different statutes. Oh, amendments. And amendments. And mm-hmm. certainly, you know, those things, you know, can be debated, and that's another way to change our Constitution. But I was really glad to see the voters decided not to put that uncertainty um, into our basket, so to speak, of things that we need to deal with. Very good. With that, we'll take a brief break. We'll be right back. And we're back with Juno Representative Andy Story. Andy Deed had recently released the test results from this year's statewide test, AK Stars. You and I might be more familiar with Peaks, but this had replaced that. Before we get into what the results showed us, could you explain that for a moment when we had we swapped tests here in the state? Uh, yes, and we did go with uh, using a system that uh, we're a little bit more familiar with and even peaks, and that was um, like our map assessments. And so what's nice about these assessments is they can give uh, more formative information to teachers um, in some real time versus the summative assessments that peaks was. And so they can look at this data and use it to ingest their instruction. And, uh, you know, our scores were certainly not what we wanted, uh, but we will, you know, right now as we speak, uh, teachers are working on uh, skills that kids need to know. Uh, We've been giving uh, some really stellar professional development to our teaching staff um, and that, you know, just got to do the work every day. And again, remember that this is one um, assessment in time that uh, students are given. Uh, And I think the other thing, it's really helpful for um, parents to look at their um, school scores um, and you can see, you know, more closely how your school and your students are doing. Uh, uh, I know that site councils, um, you know, talk about the assessments and where the gaps in the learning are. And it's just helpful to know because sometimes um, most of the kids in our school may not be proficient, but you can see that they're growing and getting that way. And if they're dipping down in an area, that's where target instruction happens. So I'm the system that we're going to be using now to me is a lot better than peaks. And when I, when I had saw some of these results, I, I was reminded that the, the statewide goal for education is reading proficiency by third grade. And so could you talk a little bit about how the Alaska Reads Act would be able to address some of these uh, proficiencies or maybe even remediation? Yes, and I wanted to comment that I've been able to be at a few um, national uh, conferences, and we've been talking about the reading scores across the state, across the nation, and it's no surprise that the kids struggling the most are our uh, first and second graders because, of course, a lot of them missed out on, you know, some more targeted instruction, and so many districts are focusing on um, giving smaller class sizes and extra interventions to those students. But our Reads Act, um, which again starts in, this is, we're in fiscal year 23, it starts in 2024. 
Um, there are a few things that are starting this year. There's going to be some reading instructional coaches uh, statewide, and they are hiring them right now. The department is training them. They are also um, developing uh, a rubric, so to speak, of what they assess as a quality early learning program. And some districts will be able to start um, providing um, basically education for four-year-olds in their school districts with state funding. This is the first time that the state will be funding uh, four-year-olds uh, half day for four-year-olds. And so that is really exciting um, because, of course, if you are you know, know your school community. There's less transition when you get into kindergarten. And many kids, and it's been said oftentimes that the reading gap, you know, isn't doesn't develop in school. Kids come to school with a reading gap. And the more we can lessen that gap, uh, the better off our kids will do. But in the READS Act, there's many interventions. Um, if you get your child gets uh, to third grade and isn't reading on grade level or whatever in first and second grade, you'll get a reading improvement plan that your teacher will do with um, your family and give some structured interventions um, that you can do at home. There's an opportunity for tutoring and for early learning. Now, I have, I don't feel we funded the Reads Act as well as we should have. Only a $30 increase to the BSA next year, which is about $250,000 for our school district. And to do some interventions on Saturday with that calls for uh, tutoring. You know, the, it's just woefully short of uh, funds uh, for state, you know, statewide. So we'll look and see if anything can be done about that. And as you know, the BSA increase was just for one year, this year, 23. And so we need to address that, too, because uh, we don't want to lose a lot of uh, staffing or whatever. Uh, the school board's going to have to make some difficult cuts. Um I know we've talked about counselors and nurses, and a lot of these things were funded by COVID dollars uh, just to help with more health needs and to help with uh, emotional needs. And again, some of the COVID money was to go to lower class sizes, so kids got more instruction to help with their unfinished learning when they came to school. Yeah, and and, and on that, that reminds me of uh, what the Department of Education commissioner had said during a during a news conference were about these results and she had said that the testing results were unacceptable even before the pandemic so it wasn't mm -hmm. it wasn't just the pandemic would you say oh no it wasn't but definitely um, you know more supports are needed. Uh, and they were needed before. So, uh, you know, we're fortunate in that I think many of our districts have been turning to the science of reading, those skills, and had started doing the training for them. So uh, 
I think teachers are in a good place. And again, now that we have the students back in the classrooms more, and I know teachers have been saying it's been hard for students to adjust being back in the classrooms, learning how to work with their peers. And that is really a part of learning, a really key part. Uh, I think about social emotional learning, and that is all about uh, coping skills, learning how to regulate your emotions, working with others, and certainly um, in kindergarten, first grade, those skills, you know, age appropriate, are, uh, you know, about, uh, sharing, using space well with others, and certainly regulating emotions when you're disappointed about something. And I'm always amazed to see, um, the behavior management that a lot of, uh, teachers really make good progress with kids. They say what you learn in kindergarten <laughs> really is a lifelong skill about getting along with others. Uh, those little years. So my hat's off to all the teachers and school staff out there. And to check up on one last thing there, you had mentioned that that $30 base student allocation increases for uh, this year. We're in FY23 technically, right? So we're using that $30 now. No, that's for next year that next starts. Year. Okay. What we're using right now is the $57 uh, million. And really the Alaska Reads act officially i mean we're doing professional development right now but it's fiscal year 24 that most of the act starts right it's always confusing to people but uh yes we're always setting our uh, legislation uh but in stages so to speak and this year we are spending some money on the reads act but a lot of it is teacher preparation um you know, gearing up, and again, the department's preparation. Mm. Now, Andy, is there anything you'd like to add before we close out today? Well, um, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, always, um, 465-3744 is the office uh, number, and please feel free to call anytime with any thoughts about future legislation or concerns that you have. And then reminding everybody, it was Walter Soboloff Day this week. Walter was an amazing man who really encouraged us to let other people know when they've done something that's helped us, made us feel better. And um, the library has a wonderful act. The uh, city and city museum has a wonderful thing where you can go in and write a letter to somebody and they have a card and a stamp and you can just stop in there and um, it's a great way to make someone's day but I think we can do that without going to the library and uh, the museum and letting people know that and then also we lost uh, two of our beloved elders this week and Ethel Lund and we lost Edward Coons Jr. And they were amazing people who did so much for our community. Ethel with, as a nurse and with uh, health, um, starting Cirque. And then, of course, um, Edward Coons was such a great spiritual leader. And um, I, anyway, I'm just thinking of everybody because it's just tough to lose our elders. Yes, thank you for that. Condolences to the Lund and the Coons family this week. Yes. And thank you very much for joining us this morning, Andy. Thank you, Kevin. Goodbye, everyone.